Michael Phelps is the greatest athlete of all time. Wrong. It's Jesus. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos, where a pastor's kid and a kids ministry director talk about raising a Christ-centered family. We're not sure we know what we're doing, but we are right in the thick of it. And this is how we're finding Christ in the Chaos. Welcome back. Still Kathleen. And this is Joel. And um, today our topic is sports, and I have given it a subtitle, The Good, The Bad, and The Boundaries. Uh, But before we get into our topic of sports today, uh, let's start with our family check-in. So why don't you go first with the family check-in today? Okay. I'm all right. It's hard to think about how I'm doing. How do you think I'm doing? That's part of the family check-in. You're doing great because you're amazing. You're like Wonder Woman if she was slumming it with me. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm good. Things are good. The boys are healthy and they have colds. Levi is our youngest is having trouble getting to sleep. Yeah. We just moved him out of the crib into a toddler bed and it's a thing. Yeah. And he he has the amazing ability to pretend to be asleep. Mm -hmm. So you put him in there. And you're like, okay, he's asleep. All right. He's check. the tricky one of the and two. And I've even, I've even like started checking with my phone. Like I'll check, I'll turn my phone on and like check and make sure his eyes are closed. He's hearing you get his up. His eyes are closed. His breathing slow. Okay. I sneak out of the room. And then five minutes later. <laughs> uh, other than that, the things he's are good. He's so proud of himself when he leaves his room on his own though. He like looks at you kind of with this like sideways smile and it is hilarious. It's like almost worth not having those 20 minutes of your night to yourself. Almost. Almost. How are you? Um, I was like, if you were going to ask me at like 4 p.m. today when I got home, I would say really stressed out and that I had a really bad couple of days. But the reality is I have been very, very productive and very, very busy at work. Um, I've gotten a ton done. I'm proud of the work that I've done. Um, but it has meant that I have been neglecting the kids um, the last couple of days in favor of work. And that makes me feel kind of turdy. Um, but the work I've done has been good. Um, it's just a matter of, um, we've watched more TV. We've spent less time together. And so, um, I tried this evening to kind of throw out what my to-do list and actually engage with the kids, but I still fit in a workout while we were doing it. (laughs) Well, we were playing Whomping Grass. Whomping Grass, a game that Dane made where based on the Whomping Willow from Harry Potter, but it's, you're laying on the ground. So the adult is the Whomping Grass instead of the Whomping Willow. It was a game that was invented when Dad was too too lazy to chase them around and was just sitting. And so... It was pretty fun, actually. And And it really doesn't require a lot of the adults. It just kind of requires you reaching for their ankles as they walk by and trying not to actually trip them because they're terrible at actually avoiding you. All right. Let's get to the main event. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, no. What would we be? Are you ready for some sport yeah. talk? <laughs> this is like a topic where when we discussed it on the front end, I was like, oh, yeah, I think we could fill a whole episode with that. And then when we started to outline it, I was kind of overwhelmed by how much there was to talk about. Um, but I think that none of this really makes much sense without getting our backgrounds. Um, so... I'm going to go first because I presume mine's going to be longer unless you have some sort of athletic background that I'm not aware of. 
I really do. I okay. I but just you, didn't. And we'll would get you like? We'll would you like to, to go first? No, no, no. <laughs> All after right. you. Um, okay, so um, I have been. I did soccer as a kid, but really, I've been swimming since I was five. Um, and I should. I haven't swum for a decade, so let's start there. But I swam from um, being five. I started swimming year round when I was seven. Um, all the way through college, um, during high school, which I think is the most like formative time in swimming, um, and the most relevant to this conversation. I did four mornings a week, uh, five evenings a week, and a three-hour Saturday morning. So those mornings were me waking up at four o'clock. Um, literally, my alarm clock went off at four o'clock, and I had to be in the car by four o eight to drive to practice out in Folsom which is 30 minutes away from our home or from the home I grew up in. Um, and 30 minutes back after an hour and a half practice, then we would drive um, again in the afternoon for another um, two and a half hour practice followed by another half hour of dry land back. Um, and that was four times a week. Point being, I was ridiculously sleep deprived as a high school student and borderline. I mean, I think there is physical there's leftover stuff that I'm still dealing with now because of that. Um, and then when I was uh, went to college, um, I went on recruit trips to Purdue and Michigan and Rice and University of Washington, chose the University of Washington, lost my mind, flipped out and came home because I was so terrified of the idea of doing four more years of swimming, um, ended up swimming Division Three, which was both the perfect place for me academically at the University of Redlands and the perfect place for me to kind of like rehabilitate my heart with regard to sports and with regard to swimming because it uh, lowered the intensity, but I actually ended up competing at about the same uh, speed, I should say, with regard to swimming um, without having all the pressure and misery of what I went through in high school. I think it should also be noted you, your father and sister, I don't know about your brother, but your father and sister both played sports in college. Right. Um, pretty at least a competitive level. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing and I And should... your parents are season ticket holders to the local professional team. And big 49ers fans also. We're a sports oriented family. All three, all three kids were, were like top athletes in our high school areas, in our respective sports. And then the other thing I was going to say is, um, I think this isn't like really important to the sports story. Cause I kind of jumped right to high school but that between the time that I was the most competitive and just like better compared to other people was between the ages of like eight and 14. Um, that's when I was actually like, oh, she's good. Um, and it kind of fell off a little bit after that point. Um, and another important part of that story is that, though this is important to me, um, that the relationship that I had with my coaches between um, basically when I started swimming in 14 was very intense. and. Um, is ultimately is part of the reason I'm in ministry and kids ministry the way I am now. So I think that that is relevant to this story too. So my side of it, I played, I played on sports teams and that's really the difference. Um, I played on all the usual sports in middle school, grade school, up to high school, you know, uh, soccer, baseball when did you stop soccer eighth grade okay would have been yeah um, that's pretty common baseball, mm -hmm. same thing with basketball flag football i mean all the normal sports that kids normally play i played but what did you do in high school in high school i was on the hockey team 
But hold on. Clarify. It's California. We don't have ice. It was a cement hockey team. Just checking. But I was on the hockey team, but it wasn't like, it wasn't my life. I went to practice twice a week and it was a thing I did. My family are all very athletic. My brother ran cross country in college. My sister was on the soccer team in college. But we were a more academically oriented family. Um, we also just want to talk about where our kids are currently in sports. Obviously, we have two very young kids, but they are also pretty engaged, like as engaged in sports as they can be at their age. Both kids are in gymnastics um, that are like very age appropriate, like play gymnastics. Both kids are in swim lessons. Um, Dane did his first year of soccer as a four-year-old this year. It was hilarious. And he is like, the epitome of a beautiful little daisy picker he scored a goal he did score a goal and my sister's response and when i told her about it she goes how did that happen um because after watching a season of him playing it did seem like an impossible feat he's very competitive in theory and then he actually gets out there and, just and he's doesn't just care. he he really wants to just be in on planet dane my and kind of athlete yes he well i have a feeling he is um the other thing is we're signing him up for swimming um this summer uh for the first time this Saturday, we're getting we're signing up. So that's kind of what started this conversation in the first place. So that's our backgrounds. Let's get to the good. What did we get out of sports that was good? Okay, I think the like first and most obvious one is um, especially. I'm gonna say for me because it definitely the difference between our level of like athletic intensity. Um, the thing that I have carried with me is that I take, I, I prioritize my fitness, um, even as an adult. And even though I don't compete in anything anymore and the idea of competing in something stresses me out, um, I prioritize my fitness and I think I probably always will. And, um, if we're going to go to scripture for that, um, if you go to first Corinthians six, 19 through 20, uh, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were brought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I'm not a hundred percent sure that that is like be fit and take care of your body, but I think it's like pretty clearly that like God put us here for a reason, and we should take care of the earthly body that we have while we're bringing the kingdom and we're here. And, and I think that's something sports, athletics generally, not just sports, but athletics does. It literally does, right? It helps you with your fitness. It helps take care of your body. To a point, it can go the other way. We'll get to that when we get to the bad. Yeah. For most people, most of the time, I think, yeah. I'm in a habit of taking care of my body in that way. And if I had been a more um, well-rounded athlete in terms of how I took care of my body as an athlete, I also think I would have that those same habits with the nutrition, but I notoriously did not. My nutrition is poor and it has always been poor. Yeah. But I also think that's part of your intensity. <laughs> It also that applied to eating in and out burgers, not yeah. just sports. And so it's really true. But I think for most people, sports is it it forces them to be active rather than them like right going crazy about it. Yeah. The other thing that sports is really great at, um, I wouldn't know because I literally only did individual sports and I only did swimming because I told my parents that I didn't like soccer because basically I couldn't control whether or not we won. Um, but if you were in a normal sport, it would teach you teamwork. Um, and, and in the end, I did learn more about teamwork and, 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 well, and playing my has, role. In, you're on um, a team yep. and you work with other people and you get better with other people, even though you're competing individually in a lot of events. 
you're with them, you're with your team, you're getting better as a team. And when you're in college and, and in even high school sports, as opposed to like uh, competitive, like club swimming, that's a lot more team oriented. You have to swim. I like a lot of the times in college, I swim a lot of events that I would rather not have swum because the team needed me to do weird events. And so, um, but the, so if you go to, it's like a little bit of training for being a part of the body of Christ. Um, if you go to Romans 12, three through eight. For by the grace given to me, I say, everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we might have many members and the members do not all have the same function so that we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. I'm going to stop there. But that is... I think that's stretching that verse a little far to attach it to sports, but I no, like I'm the metaphor. No, I'm not saying that, 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 that it's attached to sports. I'm saying that being a part of sports um, teaches you to work in that way where you um, see the value in other people, that you um, put people in the best position for their gifts to be used. Um, it's, it's just training ground for doing that um, as part of the body of Christ. Mm. I'm going to say you're stretching it. I think... The, the discipline, the working with other people, you know, focused on a goal. I think those are all good things that sports can do. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get to, when we get to the boundaries, we'll talk about why I don't think they necessarily do that in our society and in our family. But I think there is that advantage of sports and that there is a spotlight on it. And so it kind of puts you in that position of having to try and having to work and having to, but it also does put you in a spotlight, which gives you the opportunity to kind of show Christ through you, through your mm-hmm. actions, through how you compete. Well, yeah, we like talk about um, like famous athletes in particular, uh, especially famous Christian athletes. I thought Steph Curry, you thought of Reggie White, um, Tim Tebow, some of these people who are really maybe not perfect, but really like living their faith and doing it in a very public way because of sports. That obviously has its value as well. Well, and I like I like the Reggie White example because he made a point of Reggie White, who was defensive something for the Green Bay Packers in like the nineties, but yeah. he was actually a pastor as well. He made a very a, a a very conscious and very open and public point of before the game he would meet with people from the other team and pray, and the prayer wasn't help us win this game. It was, hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to try and crush each other because that's the deal. That's the game. That's what we're all here for. But help us do it in a way where everybody goes home safe to their family. Everybody focuses on what is important in life. And, you know, we all remember why we're here on earth, not just here in this stadium. Mm-hmm. And I think that, as we get to boundaries, is an important boundary to set. And I think it's a good example with Reggie White of you don't. You don't have to not win. You don't have to not try to win. But just have your heart in the right place. Yeah. Uh, The other thing that I don't have on the outline, but I forgot, but this is like really important to me because of my role in ministry is obviously sports foster can foster. And I think often does more often than not foster great relationships. Like there, there's still people now that I haven't seen in 20 years, but like when we see each other, there's a thing there and it, and it comes from being in sports together. And um, I think a lot of coach athlete relationships were, Coaches give a lot of themselves as adults to kids um, that they don't really have any requirement to do that, that that is a huge 
influence on kids and the way they experience love that you don't have to love me. You're not my parent, but you do love me. And for me in particular, that's something that was very inspirational in terms of going into kids ministry, that being the adult in the room that loves you, even though I don't have to, that, uh, that was a lot of inspiration from particularly my coaches as a young kid, but, um, but all of my coaches along the way. So that's the good. Well, so but along with the good, well, I guess this is like the transition from the good to the bad. Sports teach you um, unbelievable grit. They teach you discipline. They teach you to think for the long game and they teach you to be an overcomer. And in the world, all of those things are fantastic. Um, and they are all fantastic byproducts of sport or maybe intentional um, things that you learn in sport. But the problem is, and the bad is, when it comes to being a Christian, we're taught and we should be relying on God for those things. He doesn't want us to have to be gritty or um, be self-controlled by our, by our own power or, um, you know, or be overcomers on our own. He wants us to rely on it. And it's very hard once you've trained yourself as an athlete for literally decades to let go of your role in that and hand it over to someone else. And I think like fundamentally, that's a problem when you go from being an athlete to being a Christian. I believe the kingdom of Israel was multiple times exiled for forgetting that they needed to rely on God and relying on their own strength to protect them. And that's, um, that, that eh, I'm not as adverse to, to, to pride and, and feeling like you're doing your own thing as you are. Well, yeah, um, but I'm probably just not as mature a uh, Christian as you are. Well, and I, I no, I don't think that's what it is. I think that because of my time in sports and other things that I competed in, that my big, um, my big sin is pride, and my big sin is achievement, and everything that I do, I want. Look at me. Look how well I did it. Look how good it is. Um, I've trained myself for 21 years to be that way in swimming. Like I, I literally like, look what I can do and look what I can do under my own power. And, um, I, well, I don't want, I could pull up like, you know, scripture on pride and read every single one of them, but it's just clear from the Bible that that pride and that sense of look what I can do is dangerous and antithetical to the gospel. And, um, sports makes it very hard to let go of that. Um, it's not impossible. And I think that that is the thing that Jesus is is working on in me all the time is to let go of that. And I really do feel like I've let go of a lot of that in the last three or four years, but it is ingrained into me and was trained into me for years. There's nothing more to sports than look what I can do. That's yeah. what it is. And I think I think more of the danger is that other people are looking. And that for not for us as athletes, but for us as fans right athletics becomes an idol in and of itself the winning becomes an idol in and of itself the the winners become idols uh, that we as athletes forget to focus on building treasure in heaven right and we build treasure on earth that's luke 12 uh 32 through 34 oh, i was gonna say, first peter all people are grass and their glorious flowers in the field the grass withers and the flowers fall and it, it's hard to remember when you're, you know, getting an Olympic gold medal or when your team makes it to the championship or the Super Bowl, which is coming up. And my team did not make it to the Super Bowl. You forget, oh, this doesn't matter. This is not it. 
Yeah, this is this kind of goes back to the idea of eternal thinking and losing sight of eternity. Um, when it's like whether you're a um a fan whose team has lost the championship and you're just devastated, and it's like like I people look at you and you're like, well, it is devastating. I'm like, you need to take one step back and look at what a small blip this is. Even for the person that missed, like let's say it's a field goal, like at the end of the game, like they're missing that field goal is a blip in their life that is a blip in this earthly world that is a blip in this that in the history of humans which is nothing in the blip of eternity and um and the emphasis on sports individually and as a society it totally loses sight of what really matters you know people who friends i have wonderful people good christian people uh, loving parents loving husbands and wives who when that team is playing, win or lose, that changes who they are, mm-hmm. right? If the team loses, it's a bad day. If the team wins, it's a good day. And, you know, their kid's taking their first steps, but they're like, yeah, but team's on. No, right? I, I, I think that Christians, and I think this is, Christians have a blind spot for sports that is bigger than any other blind spot they have. Um, when it comes to what really matters, what idolatry is, what is what's really getting in the way of their relationship with God because there is so much apparent good in sports and I can really vouch for the apparent good. Um, they, they fail to see the bad and, um, and they justify it with every fiber of their beings. And I understand it having been somebody that deeply into sports, but at the same time on this end of it, it's, it is a real problem. Yeah. I think that's, when we have, and you always make fun of me for not being athletic or an athlete. <laughs> I do. It's not that, uh, you know, and like, oh, you don't care about sports. It's not that I don't care about sports. It's that that deep societal need and like tribalism in sports just, it's too much. It's ours that we put into these athletics that we watch sports and we wear the colors and we paint our faces. And even if you're not religious, and at this point, most of our listeners probably are. But even if you're not, like, that's... It's a problem. Yeah. And I, I, I have to say, intellectually, I totally agree with you. But it is one of my blind spots. It is it is a hard thing for me to overcome that, that, ex- that extent of that history. And all of... So much of me is wrapped up in that experience. So, so much of who I am is, is from sports, is from swimming. That it's like when you say that's that's dangerous, that's bad, that value is too high. It's like you're tearing down the identity of who I am, but like taking a step back. That's fine because we're supposed to our identity yeah. is supposed to be replaced. That's the whole point. Um, it's just a very uncomfortable experience to have your identity torn away from you and be replaced with Christ. The kind of last bad and this is something that really negatively affected me is the idea of deriving your worth as a person from your performance as an athlete instead of from God. And um, obviously that is a, you're setting yourself up for failure because there's literally nothing you can do as an athlete that will fill the hole in your heart that the love of God will fill. Um, The other danger of that is if you're seeking um, your worth from your performance as an athlete, and then you retire because everyone retires by a certain age. And some sports like swimming, most of us, especially women, are done by 
25, 30 at the very latest. So Dara Torres doesn't except count. For, I was going to say, except for Tom Brady, who's like 90. No, no I'm just saying, like, swimming, right, there are some real female swimming exceptions, too, but the reality is you retire, and then your sense of worth is gone, and you pass it off to something else, and whatever that something else is that you're deriving your sense of worth from could be very dangerous, and it happened to be very dangerous for me, and it took me, um, it took Jesus to literally rescue me from that pit of that vacuum of where I derived my worth from. So then how do we set boundaries? How do we set those boundaries for ourselves, for our kids, for our families? I mean, you can't just give us problems. You got to give us solutions. Well, this is not really related to any of the things. So to give you kind of a gimme to start with, um, my feeling is that basically any sport that the kids want to try, um, they can, as long as we can afford it. Like I'm probably not going to be doing figure skating just out of financial um, limitations, but we've both um, agreed that we're not going to let either one of our kids play football, um, which is becoming less and less of a controversial choice, but their bodies and their minds are from God and they're more important than, than whatever they're going to do in football. And that's just reality for us. I'm less worried about the sports. We're not going to let them play because we can just fight that fight and then they can't play it. Right. They're not going to play football End a conversation, but <laughs> there's the a lot sports, of parents laughing at you right now. The sports that they, that you force them to play, that we want them to play, that they want to play. Those I'm more worried about setting that boundary of this is important, but what is more important, right? Making it to practice is important. Meeting your commitments is important. You know, taking care of your body is important, but grandma's birthday is more important. Going to church is more important. You know, family time is more important. And so how do we set that boundary? Yeah. That's where I'm. I think um, one of the examples is that you were talking about going to practice is important. And um, for me, like from just like a straight up like health standpoint as an athlete, um, doing four early mornings and then one 6 a.m. Oh, no, 7 a.m. Saturday practice week was straight up unhealthy for my body. I was not handling it well on a physical or emotional level. I still wake up with anxiety attacks when I'm woken up from a nap, which you very well know because I scream at you. And it's literally, I think the most conflict in our marriage is the after effects of um, sleep deprivation as a young person. So it's like, yes, going to practice is important, but on a very basic level, your health and well-being, mm -hmm. and then all of those other things that like factor into your health and well-being are more important, including your spiritual well-being, including your physical well-being, including your mental well-being, including your academic well-being, um, it's going to come first. Yeah. And I've, I've seen conflicts between those things um, in my own family. You know, my sister was a on every team in every club kind of person, um, but also my dad was a pastor. And so I was there for all the conflicts of, you know, I need to go to confirmation and there's football practice on Wednesday. Coach says, no, you know, well, can we work something out? No. Yes. If you know, if, this, if they're not at every practice, every time they don't play. And it's like, well, you're losing focus of what is important. What is eternal and what's going to, you know, what's going to make you a better adult? What's going to make you a better person? Yeah. And I think the other thing is like, the answer is not, the answer is not categorically and every time going to be uh, going to church, but 
it has to be an ongoing and constant evaluation about what the priorities are and why, if you're going to skip um, church, if you're going to skip like a birthday party, things that I skipped all the times for swimming, um, or you're going to not study for a test, which I did all the time for swimming, um, like what are, what are we prioritizing here and why are we doing this? Um, or school. I missed a lot of school for swimming. It's not a cut and dry thing, but it's got to be a constant evaluation. And I can hear parents saying, well, that's all well and good when you have a two and four year old. Um, wait till they're actually begging you to compete. Wait till they're actually begging you. Um, you are very strong willed and have a very strong opinion about this. And your family did stand up. And I, on the other hand, um, was very damaged by going with this the the status quo or the expectations of my coach and doing everything that I was asked to do and going down that lane I was so badly hurt by it that I think the combination of the two of us um you being kind of anti-sports or anti-prioritizing sports and me knowing I'm what I'm not anti-prioritizing but no sports. I know what I'm you just, mean yeah and me having having been in a a situation where I prioritize sports and was was really damaged by it um, I think we could be the perfect storm of uh, <laughs> keeping our kids like sticking to the boundaries that we're thinking about yeah. setting. Making sure that the things that are good about sports, grit, practice, teamwork, discipline, discipline meeting your commitments that you've agreed to, making sure that those are the things they get out of sports and they don't fall into that trap of sports replacing God, sports replacing family, sports replacing your sense of self-worth from just being a person, just being a child of God, right? I'm, you should have some sense of self, self-worth there. And if you're saying, well, I'm only good if I make the downs, right? And then, you know, I, I love my team. I need to be there for my team more than my family, more than my church, more than myself. Those, those are the boundaries we need to draw. Agreed. All right, well, let's get to our next segment. So that came up. We have a friend who's a magician and... We have an oldest who's way into Harry Potter, and the boys have their little plastic magic wands they like to play with, and right, making sure they know that's not real is important. I think he has a really good sense that it's not real. Well, so we were talking about doing something magically, and he said, well, magic's not real. I was like, you're right, buddy. Magic's not real. People can't do magic. And he said, well... Except for Jesus. Jesus was the only person who could do real magic. I I think at his level, that's so appropriate. Um, it's not, we're like, well, technically magic is blah, 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 blah. And Jesus has, you know, Jesus is God and has control over the forces of nature. And so he can do things that are supernatural. You know, but it's like, he doesn't need that explanation. The fact that he realizes that he can't do magic and that people can't do magic and that Harry Potter doesn't do magic and none of that is real, but that Jesus does something that's supernatural. He doesn't need the, the lexicon, like the distinction of whether or not he's using the right word to describe the Jesus right thing. Jesus is real. Jesus is powerful. Yeah. If he gets that at four, I feel pretty good about us as parents. So do I. All right. You want to pray us out? Sure. Lord, help us to always put you first. Help us to... Um, just remove the blind spot in our lives that sports and athletics and other competitive things can get in the way of um, what you really want for our lives. 
Um, help us to be wise as parents. Fill every listener and everyone who's dealt with any of these issues to be filled with your spirit, to be guided by your wisdom, and to know that you are with them when you are making tough decisions for your kids. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to this podcast. It helps others to find us and to be hashtag blessed by the discussions that we have here. If you want to contact us, you can reach us on Instagram at Christ in the Chaos, or you can email us at Christ in the Chaos pod at gmail.com. Until next week, we hope you have a peaceful week. But even if you don't, remember that you can find us and Jesus waiting for you in the chaos.